The podcast The Matrix is a system, listener, one that's based on experience, skill sets, and you. There are other hosts, but what I'm telling you is that when it's time to dodge the billing bullets for hosting your entire podcast library online, you won't need to. Plug into the real world podcast hosting solution now at podcastermatrix.com. That's podcastermatrix.com. Welcome to Small Business Saturdays. Welcome to Small Business Saturdays. The Small Business Saturdays podcast. With your host and my husband. And my dad, Aaron Montgomery. Join the conversation. Let's talk some business. You're listening to a continuation of the Small Business Saturdays podcast, recapping the 10-week success principles project with host Aaron Montgomery and guest host Christine Shreve. We join this episode in progress. All right, let's get to week four then. So week four was believe, believe it's possible. This to me was talking about the fact that you do have to believe it's possible. You have to believe it for yourself, but you also have to be able to, to sell it to others. True. That, that was my take on it a, a little bit, but, but what, what was, what was week four like for you? I have to say, if there's one concept that's probably harder for me than any other, it's belief. I'm not good at it. It's kind of like, again, I have a friend I have arguments with about this particular, it's kind of like faith. Faith is evidence of things unseen. You're yep. supposed to just believe, you're just supposed to believe. Yep. I particularly, and I understand, I'm fully aware that this is partially a self-esteem issue too. It's hard for me to believe in good for me. Mm -hmm. I can believe in good for other people, but believing in good for me that I can have what I want, that I deserve to have what I want is still a work in progress. I'm just going to admit that. So that's a tough one for me. Sure. So sure. there are a lot of days where I do have to just talk to the voices in my brain, not that I'm, you know, weird no, or anything, no, but no, I, and just I, say, I you know, thing. yeah, you know, and, and just say, I am worth this. I do deserve this. This can happen for me. Yeah. I'll admit belief is a tough one for me. It's probably one of the hardest things of this whole process for me. You're definitely not alone in, in that at all. And I battle daily with the imposter syndrome and, and, you know, oh God, I, yeah, it, you know, that kind of thing. So the other thing that you brought up, which I, I think is also another great point is the fact that I feel like I have a lot of these same things where I can believe in somebody else. I can, you know, mm. believe in, in all, but yeah, when it's time to actually believe in yourself, that becomes really hard. And, and to me, what being able to be brave enough to kind of make these public declarations, you know, and this is where the success tracker kind of came from and that kind of thing is if I can believe enough to say that out there, because I think a lot of people are like us in that same fact where it's a lot easier for us to support other people than it is to, again, believe in ourselves and support ourselves. And, and so if I can put that out there, I'm going to get that extra support from other people. It doesn't even have to be, you know, you're going to actually physically help me or give me money or whatever. It's, <laughs> hey, Christine, you can do it. Or, hey, Aaron, you can do this. You know, I yeah. I was nervous to take this success principles test at the end, which was, you know, something I just made up in my head for no apparent reason. But I, I put that out there and everybody's like, oh, my God, you're going to do so great. And it gave we me did. that boost. 
yeah, I, it, it worked out. So it, there's something there. <laughs> well, I have to laugh because one of the, the running things that I say about myself is I'm a perfect marketer because I can promote the hell out of other people. <laughs> I mean, I did that for 14 years. I'm great at it. When it comes to promoting myself, I know what I need to do. I understand why it works the way it works. But for me to ask people to ask people to be on my podcast was terrifying because to me, even though it's very important to me, I think it's doing good work and I'm mm -hmm. proud of it. Yes. For me to say, this is a legitimate thing that you, the rest of you should invest time helping me make a thing. Was terrifying to me. It was yeah. so hard to do, but I mean, the results were amazing. And if I hadn't put myself out there and believed in what I was doing yeah. and believed in the validity of it, none of that would have happened. And I probably would have gone, nobody likes the podcast. Nobody wants to see the podcast. Screw it. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would have missed out on all these great women who are going to come and talk to me. Yeah, for sure. I think that's huge because like you said, you're, you're doing something that's positive for other people, but if you can't get over that, I mean, I think people have that in their businesses. You know, I, mm -hmm. I think that they're afraid to be successful or afraid to make money or afraid to put themselves out there because they've lost sight of the fact that they're, you're providing value. You know, when, when we have a business and we're providing mm -hmm. a service or a product or whatever, that's value. And if you don't put yourself out there to a point where you're sharing that and you're sharing that value that you're providing, even if you don't necessarily believe that there's a value there, but there is, if you don't put yourself out there and do that, you're now taking that from other people. They don't have an opportunity to gain that value from you. And it does take, like you said, it takes that just that little bit of belief to be able to put it out there. Like you said, asking for, for guests and, and now you're going to share their stories with people and, and it's going to grow and, and people are going to hear about them and you're going to make connections that'll grow from there. You know, somebody, yeah. see somebody in your podcast, well, and go, I need to talk to her, you know, two things really from this experience really came to me. One is how much easier it would have been in a sense for my personal belief system to kind of go to drama queen mode and go, nobody really wanted to see it. Nobody really cares. Nobody really wants to be a guest. Why am I doing this? Oh, this is so hard. Yeah. I, you know, I suck. Nobody wants to talk to me. Um, and then I go sit in a corner and it becomes one of those things that I go, oh, that was really cool. I wish it worked. Yeah. Paradoxically enough, that's the easier thing to do. Sure. Sure. That's the easier route to take because I'm not putting myself out there. I'm not fighting for anything. I'm not believing that I have worth, even though there isn't much evidence at that particular moment that other people believe that as well. So it's way harder to persevere than it is to say, and I see this comment here, I'm afraid of no and embarrassment. Yep. yep. Yeah. Jim's comment too. I understand what you were saying. I constantly undercharge because what I do is never good enough. Sorry, I'm reading the comments on That's your okay. podcast. That's but, okay. That's um, what they're there for. <laughs> and I think that the, all of that stuff that never good enough and I'm not important and why would people listen to me and all that kind of stuff. It's really, let me put it this way. It's sad enough that other people will try to tear us down. We shouldn't try to tear ourselves down. And I, believe me, I have 
umpteen bazillion years of messages from when I was growing up telling me that I am worth nothing, I will be nothing, I should shut up and go in the kitchen and make you a sandwich. Yeah. I don't choose to believe that. I never believe that, which is probably where a lot of my, a lot of my problem with my family came from. Yeah. But there's a lot of other people in the world that will be willing to tell you that you're nothing and you can do nothing and you're worth nothing. Yeah. Don't tell yourself that. Correct. Well, and, and in all honesty, Christine, that what I've discovered is that those people that are willing to tell you that it's them telling themselves that, and it, oh, yeah. it, it's their reflection of their, their own personal self-worth. And therefore, because if they don't, if they feel that about themselves, they got to make sure everybody else around them feels them themselves because everybody wants to be at the same, same level or, or, or above. And so that's where, right. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody that uh, is comfortable in their own skin, isn't going to tell you that you're doing a terrible job or that you're not worth anything. Well, yes. And the people that are comfortable in themselves will also be the people that will give you a hand to help you get to the next level. Correct. And the people who are putting you down or trying to sabotage you or, I said, and I've said it before, I spent a lot of years being very small because I didn't want to make the people around me uncomfortable. And I regret that now because I lost a lot of time, but it was what I had to do to make it in the situation I was in. But when I learned that I'm big, if you want to use like basic, you know, when I learned that I'm capable and I'm powerful and I have stuff to say and do, the impact that I'm making now is so much more than, and the the ambition that I have for the impact that I could make is so much bigger. Yeah. And if everybody stopped being small, especially women, women are made small in so many ways, in so sure. many places. And yeah. not that I want to go off on that, but- no, Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I think one of the things that I tell the women that I talk to and that I try to get across on the Women in Business podcast is that you're bigger than you think you are. You have more ability than you think you do. You can make a bigger impact than you think you can. And that impact might be just on your family, on your children. It could be on the world at large. And I don't mean just as in making an impact on your family isn't important, but you you can make an impact wherever you are. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, that's that's perfect. Exactly. Wherever you are, you can make that impact. And, right. and what I think we don't realize is that that impact w- will spread. It's the it's the pay it forward situation where you might think that you're, you know, okay, I'm just helping my family, but, you know, they're going to then help somebody around them and they're going to explode. And it there. ripples. Yeah. Ripples well, and the other thing I will say too, and I don't want to turn this into a plug for therapy because that's not what I'm trying to do. But I will say one of the most valuable things for me is learning how my brain tries to sabotage me and understanding when that's happening and knowing how to fight it. Yeah. Because I now have this analytical person in my head who hears these messages where my brain is saying, like with the podcast, everybody hates you and nobody wants to listen to this and it's all crap. And the analytical person can stand there and go, is that really true? Or are you just scared or are you just hurt or whatever it is? And, you know, are are you really, is this really a true thing you're dealing with? Or is this just, just something that the damage in you is putting out there? Yeah. 
never underestimate the value of therapy, of talking to people who've been there, who've been through things that you've been through. It helps. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Good. I'd like to go back and, and I want to cover a couple of things from the comments and mm-hmm. some of the things that you said here, because I think at one point, and I don't think you actually said this, but I've heard people say this, the, uh, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. And, and yeah. that, that is, uh, actually the opposite is true. Yeah. I've you have discovered. to see it to believe yeah, it. You, you have to, you have to believe it to see it. So All that too. Yes. Yeah. So once you can okay. believe in yourself enough to put it out there, to make this public declaration, to be willing to go ask people to come on your podcast, be willing to put out a book, be willing to whatever the value it is, you know, put out the products mm-hmm. that you're, you're offering. Once you believe in yourself enough to do that, that's when you're going to see the results. And, and most people are, are waiting for that, that, oh, the, the sign from the universe or whatever that <laughs> this is the thing I should be doing. But it, it actually is the other way around. Well, and I also think if I can throw one thing out here real yeah, quick. please. If you believe in yourself when something doesn't work, when somebody says no or when, you know, things don't go the way you want them to or something you try just pancakes and train, it doesn't become a referendum on you as a person and a being and and anything that you've done. It's just one thing that you tried that didn't work. I think when you don't believe in yourself and you're insecure about your worth or your place in the world or whatever it is, then everything becomes the thing that's going to determine the state of it, of, you know, life as we know it. And it's like, no, if, if the podcast goes south, I'll be sad. I'll still be proud of what I did, Sure, but it's not a referendum on me as a person. No, not at all. You know, or something ends and you think that means that you failed or you're bad or whatever. And it's just like, no, something came to an end Yeah, and you move on to other things. So yeah. anyway. Yeah. No, I have a, yeah, that, that's a great point about the, the endings and, and things happening. You know, I have been divorced and, uh, you know, that was a pretty obviously traumatic experience. It's certainly something I'd never wanted to or thought I would go through, but looking back on it today, I don't think that I would have had any of the experiences that I've had since then remarried to, to Kyleen. And, and obviously that wouldn't be the case if I was still married. Right. I'm actually in a better place, better friends with my ex-wife than when we were together. We have a, a much better relationship now mm-hmm. than we ever did. I have a wonderful son that came out of the original one. I have a wonderful son with Kyleen. So again, I, I agree with you. Sometimes in the heat of the moment that, that ending that thing can feel really like oh my gosh this is going to define me but Mm -hmm. there's a chance that it could define you in the way that you need to be defined not in the negative way well and the other thing i think people don't accept sometimes is that people change and grow and they want different things and particularly and maybe i look at marriage a little differently because i've never had one And most of the marriages that I was privy to when I was growing up were horrific for the most part. Sure. People grow and change. And sometimes what you want when you're 20 isn't what you want when you're 40. And that doesn't mean that anybody's bad or wrong or horrible. It just means that same thing with, I took a job 14 years ago. 14 years ago, that job met a lot of the needs that I had. 14 years on and a pandemic later, it didn't. Doesn't mean the job was wrong or the company was bad. Doesn't mean I was wrong or bad. It just means that circumstances changed. Correct. 
Yeah, that, that's a perfect point. I mean, I, I, I do agree that I think we want to put meaning and, and, and blame or, or, or something mm-hmm. on everything. And like you said, sometimes it has nothing good, bad, or, or indifferent. It's This is a change. It's time to change. It's a new season. It's a new cycle. It, so that's that's great. Thank you for sharing that. I did want to address, uh, you had brought it up and, and, and read it earlier too, but I want to go back and also address, I'm afraid of no and embarrassment from Loyal 365. Within that statement, I, and I think I would venture to say that you're not alone in that. I, I know at least mm-hmm. you're definitely not alone from my perspective. I've, I've always had that similar challenge. But the best thing that I learned, especially through these success principles, is that, again, like you said, from the analytical mind, if you can go back and get outside of the embarrassment, outside of the pain of being told no, and then come back into reality, come back into the present and go, wait a second, if they just told me no, I didn't have that before I asked them. So I'm no different off than where I started. In fact, if I didn't ask, if I didn't put myself out there, if I didn't do these things, the fact that I would have never had it because I would have never asked, Mm -hmm. but at least now that I've asked, I'm still right where I was at, maybe even a little better because I've also discovered that when you ask something of somebody and they tell you no, they still give you something, you know, but, but maybe mm-hmm. my friend would like it. Or, you know, if you did a really good job of helping somebody with a project and it didn't work out, they go, oh, well, this isn't going to work out. But then, you know, a month later, they're going to refer somebody to you that it, again, so getting to that point where you can say, Hey, no is okay. Maria kind of chimed in with uh, a no means you tried. I've mm-hmm. learned to roll them off with my supplement business. It just means that they're not ready. So the no is right now. Right. Yeah. Because one of the other things that we talk about in the success principles side of things from the training there, uh, Jack Canfield's got a saying that uh, is SW, SW, SW. And it stands for some will, some won't. So what next? And, right. Uh, I think one of the values of no, too, is if you get a no, you put yourself out there to ask. You believed in yourself enough to say, I have a proposition that is worth your time. I actually have the list somewhere of books, of authors, of famous books or, you know, famous book series that how many times they were rejected before Mm -hmm. they actually became the iconic works of literature that they were. And I don't remember them all specifically right now, but I keep that because it reminds me that, you know, sometimes you just have to find the right home for whatever the thing is. And once you do, then, but you have to keep trying. You can't just say, well, I asked that one person and they said, no, so that's it. You have, if you believe in it, you have to keep putting it out there. And as far as embarrassment, I just want to say this. I have this wonderful brain in my head that remembers every embarrassing thing I've ever done since like birth, practically. Yeah, I can replay every moment when I've been a total dork my entire <laughs> life. Things that I'm sure no, the other person in the situation does not remember anymore, I can remember. Sure. Embarrassment's gonna happen. You're gonna meet the guy or the woman you like and you're gonna snort when you laugh the first time you meet them or you're gonna do something stupid. Yeah. It's going to happen. So just make your peace with it. And being embarrassed is not the worst thing in the world. You recover from it. 
You could yeah. even be embarrassed in front of someone and meet them later and have a very nice time. It can happen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love that. that that's, that's a great point. I love that for sure. Sandy said, uh, it's so nice to hear that others struggle with the same things as I do. It gives one hope. Great to hear. And then Maria says, not right now, unless they tell me, don't ask, tell me again, I circle around at a later time. And I think that's a great point too, Christine, mm-hmm. because one of the best ways, you know, for talking about business and sales, but just to kind of in general, when you're, you're asking something is make sure you're thinking about how you can circle back. You know, it, it like, okay, mm-hmm. if they're going to tell you no right now, that's okay. But say, would you mind if I followed up in three months, you know, maybe you'll be in a different space or, or something like that. I mean, there's lots of different creative ways that you can mm-hmm. put a reason to call back a reason to ask again, because yeah, a lot of times it's not a no just for the sake of it being a no. It's just it's just not a no right now. You know, not right, right. now, as Maria said. One of my friends who's a very, very good salesperson has said to me before that no just means I need to find the reason for you to say yes. So do that. your research. Figure out why they said no and what the objection is and Maybe it ultimately ends up with them saying, no, I'm just not interested. I don't want it. But no doesn't always mean no. And if you just go, well, okay, thank you very much. And you get small. Yep. You know, (laughs) you never get anywhere. And I'm not saying don't ever take no for an answer because there are certain situations where you should definitely take no for an answer. But, you know, it all comes back to how much do you believe in what you're doing and how much do you believe in you? And even though the voices in your head, and I hate saying voices in your head because it sounds like, you know, but literally there are voices in my head sometimes that are telling me you're not worth it and nobody's going to want this. Well, they're wrong. Screw them. I don't need them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's that, it's that internal critic that we all have. And, and I think what we're trying to talk about here today is turning that internal critic into an internal coach, you know, because like, like you said, we've all got those voices in our head. I mean, think about it this way, I guess. If the person inside of my head, the way that person talks to me most days, if that was somebody else outside of, you know, if that was Christine or something like that, I probably wouldn't really try to, I'd try to avoid her, (laughs) you know? So, um, you know, I, I want that. And that's certainly just an example. I'm not trying to avoid you. (laughs) No, no. But I mean, I actually, that was one of the things that was a very pivotal moment for me was realizing that, that I talked to myself in a way that I would never, ever, ever talk to anybody else. Yeah. But I will just be as harsh and I can. And what's really sad is sometimes I hear my father's voice coming out of my mouth about me. And I'm like, Oh, that's just not right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's an ongoing process. I'm still learning to talk to myself nicely, Yeah. but I'm making progress at it. So if I keep working at it and a lot of it, like I said, is, you know, some of this you need to unpick with someone who's qualified to help you. Mm -hmm. And you need to also accept that we're all works in progress and that it's going to be, a journey and not you figure out that this is happening and then you go, well, I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. And then you're done. Sure. Cause you can even, you can know why you do what you do and it still is a journey to get to the place where you stop doing it. All right. Well, this has been fantastic in that let's keep moving on, on the weeks here though. 
because uh, you know we're, we're only at week four. We're only week four. We're, we're jumping to week five right now. Okay, uh, I don't even know if I put the the uh, well. You guys can go get the worksheet, so I won't waste time with that. Let's get to week five here. Mm -hmm. And week five, we start to get. Uh, I don't know. I, I felt like we were starting to get into some practicality here. Yep. It's smart goals. Create your smart goals is what we talked about in week five. So, what was your take on week five, Christine? Goals are another thing that I shied away from for a really long time, because if you make a goal, and especially if you tell people that you have a goal, then you're committed to something. And for a long time, I was kind of like, if I don't say anything, if I'm just real stealth about everything, then nobody knows if I screw it up or I fail. And for a long time, again, the whole I'm powerless, I can't impact what's happening thing kind of made goals a little problematic for me too. This, again, this is another thing that is still kind of a little bit of a work in progress for me. Splashing out and doing the OSG success tracker. Yep, success thing, tracker. Yep. Where I, I physically, the name escaped me for a moment. I literally put a goal out there for everybody to see. And then you put a post out and, you know, and I was like, <laughs> Oh crap! <laughs> Which is not the word I said, but it's the word I'm going to say <laughs> but, uh, I appreciate you using podcast. that. Yes, <laughs> but that's also a goal that's been with me since I was six. So that if I'm going to put one out there, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. But this was because I think really on this worksheet, this is the first time that I wrote down some of the things that really mattered to me but I hadn't put them in actual like physical terms, I guess yep. is the word I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. I also think that as you mentioned that, you know, the, a lot of this work, a lot of this stuff, you know, I mean, we, we spent 10 weeks doing that. We're hour and 15 into today, you know, so mm -hmm. we're, we've invested some, some time into this stuff and, yep. and people are investing time into this, but, but I think that's just, it is if you do invest that time and then you start getting them out there, then you'll you'll see this expansion you know so you said that the the book thing was a goal since you were 6 and mm -hmm. and now that it's out there i truly believe that and and i have said this before i i think that this is going to unleash the floodgates to honestly to me oh i i, I think you're right based on <laughs> the amount of folders in my computer that now have book names on them. Um, <laughs> I think you're probably right. The other thing that was really scary about this, and maybe this is the way it should have been, this is probably the core, the goal that's probably closest to the core of who I think I am. It matters more to me than I want a bigger house or I want to make a million dollars or I yeah. want to, it's the one that I'm like, this is the thing that I've always said I was going to do. And my friends have said I'm going to do and my family is, you know, and I've never quite managed to do it for whatever the reason. This is like the, the biggie for me. Yeah, so it's yeah. that much more scary, but it's also that much more meaningful, I sure. guess. Sure. I sure. mean, you know, and I think I can do it. I have oh. no idea. I could write a book and it could turn out to be. Shit. Well, <laughs> Yeah. It, I mean, that's, I don't think it will, but no, nope. I don't think it will either. And I think that's kind of what this process does lead us to, you know, if we start back where we started in week one and, and kind of really get some clarity on, on what those purposes, then it will bring these goals that are the most important to you. They'll, they'll kind of the cream will rise to the top, as they say. And, 
you know, so this is just the next step in the, in the progression, I believe. And, and when Mm -hmm. we talk about SMART goals, SMART is an acronym for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and people will say time bound or trackable are are the two interchanges Mm -hmm. that I've heard. I like to use trackable, but, but really you kind of boil it down into how much and by when. So if it's, you know, one book by X date or or, or that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. because the more specific you can get, the easier it will be. Uh, to me, this kind of relates to, uh, and I, I don't have the exact quote in front of me here, but Einstein at one point said, basically, if there was a problem that I had that my life depended on and I had an hour to solve it, I would spend the first 55 minutes trying to find the right questions to ask. Getting specific about it is basically asking all of those questions to get into what it is at its core that your goal is, you know, what is it specifically you want to get done? You know, I want to grow my business. Okay. What does that mean? Do you want a thousand people? Do you want just to make more money? Do you want, you know, you could be a million dollar business and not have a huge profit margin and and be married Mm -hmm. to your business all the time, or you can have a hundred thousand dollar business and have a nice profit margin and, and have plenty of time off, you know? So, Getting into those specifics, I think, is really important and and what week five was all about. So what's your idea there? I think you're right. The specifics make a huge difference. And I know one of the experiences I had after I did this is that because I was specific about I want these things in these areas, it informed the choices I made from then on because I now knew what I was aiming for when I had a choice to make as to how I could use my time or where I could spend my money or what I was going to invest in or what I was saying or whatever, I had something to look at and go, well, is that going to advance me toward where I want to go? And I knew where I wanted to go instead of some nebulous thing where I was like, well, I hope that I get to be rich. Yeah. Well, okay. No, I want to make this. I want to do this. And I'm not saying, I mean, you know, there are still days when I kick back and play some solitaire because everybody or binge on Bridgerton or whatever it is, (laughs) which by the way, really awesome series. Um, Bridgerton. Okay. We'll we'll check that out. (laughs) You you won't probably not something you would really enjoy, Aaron. I'll I'll tell um, Kyleen about it. (laughs) A series of romance novels by an author called Julia Quinn. And they did it. I was very skeptical because I I had read all the books, but they did a really nice job on the series. Anyway, sorry. That's my five second review. Um, But writing the goals down and seeing what I was what I was really aiming for in a concrete format really did inform how I did things after that and the choices I made and what I considered to be something I should do and what I consider to be something I shouldn't do. Got it. That's the like nutshell version of all that. I love it. That's perfect. That's perfect. Okay. So that was, that was week five smart goals. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I I think the worksheet just gives you some spaces uh, again, the different areas of your life. And, and, and I truly believe that, you figure out what works for you. You know, these are just some examples, some, some give you some things to, to build off of kind of deal. So let's get to week six here. So week six was identifying your breakthrough goal. You, you, uh, you had a good way to describe this. In fact, I think you guys were even talking about a shirt in the women in garment decorating group at one point uh, to explain a breakthrough goal. What, what do you guys call that? BHAGs. BHAGs. Very audacious goals. 
big, hairy, audacious goals. Awesome. And we were going to get uh, shirts for the WID women that said BBE hags. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, man, that's perfect. That's and I perfect. still want to do that at some point because I just like the play on words. It made me laugh. Nice. But, well, um, if you get somebody to design it, I'll figure out a way to get them printed. <laughs> I'll talk to Carolyn because I'm betting she would do it for me. All right. All right. Sounds good. That's, That's my uh, problem with getting anything printed in that group is that there's so many people who own printing businesses in my group and among my friend circle that I'm like, I can't ask anybody to do anything. I yeah. So many people. Well, so you just take it outside of the group. And, and like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way to, to make yeah. it happen. So but my way I, to support the group. <laughs> well, thank you. Since you are one of the godfathers. That's of the right. Group. That's right. I got it. I got it got to keep my place as the godfather there <laughs> as one of the godfathers all right so talk to us about a BHAG a breakthrough goal what talk about scary right I mean <laughs> I think it circles back to what I was saying about my goal of writing a book yep. that was a goal that had been with me for a really long time it was a core goal of mine it was also a goal that could open up a lot of other things for me if I can successfully write a book and it does reasonably well, then that opens up a whole lot of other areas of things that I could do that I also might like to do, like be a speaker or, you know what I'm saying. Yep, uh, exactly. It's the goal that kind of opens the floodgates, so to yep. speak, and yep. brings a lot of other things. Your breakthrough goal should be the goal that scares the pants off you the most is yeah. my, I mean, not that you should really lose your pants, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I know what um, you're saying, yeah. It's the goal that just really means the most to you. It yeah. should be the goal that you care about that. I, I mean, I, I hate to say core goal, but that's kind of what, uh, for whatever the reason, because it's been with me so long, because it's kind of how I define myself. Writing a book to me is just like, if I can do this, and even if I get published and it isn't all that successful, I'll still have done it. And it will make a so much difference in so many areas that it will lead to other things that I want. Sure, sure. I mean, now, obviously, I'm thinking I'm going to write, you know, the greatest book in the history of sure. the world. And, and yep. you know, J.K. Rowling's got nothing on me. But... There you go. There you go. I, and and I, I think like like you said, you know, it, it needs to be that goal that to me, I've always said, like it's it's the tipping point. Like I said, it'll open new gates. It'll. I think what it, what it really does is when you you get to this goal, you you reach to that goal, it gives you a new level of belief in yourself, and and therefore, like you said, that becomes okay for you with the book. It opens up gates with the speaking and the teaching and the and the other core areas of of who you are. And I love the fact that you said it it, it should scare the pants off of you. You know, if it yeah, if it doesn't make you a little bit uneasy, at least going so far as to scare the pants off of you. I, I, I agree with that completely. Make it something that's worth getting. My quote that, uh, that in fact, I think you've got a shirt of the quote from Michelangelo. <laughs> that, I do. That's, that's the goal. Wore it today. <laughs> nice. <laughs> awesome. That's the breakthrough goal. Any, any other thoughts about that before we get into week seven here? I think that that basically covered it. It should be something that really is going to make a seismic difference in your world if okay. you accomplish it. 
Perfect. All right. The one last thing I wanted to share about breakthrough goals is, you know, as you get to it, here's the other thing that, that I think becomes a bit of a challenge when, when it's scary, but, but this little piece right here, if you write that at the beginning of it and you think that at the beginning of it, I will, that's the belief that you have to, to get to, to be able to achieve that goal. You have to get to that. And, and at first it's, it, it's going to feel faked. It, at first it's going to feel like, you know, I'm just saying this to say it, but if you keep on it and, and every, you know, every day when you're thinking about this breakthrough goal, I will, I will write a book. I, I will, whatever it is that you're doing and, and whatever it is you need to do. And so I think that's a really important piece for folks is don't drop that. I will, even if it feels fake or, or forced at first, because it will become more natural as you, you keep moving towards the goal. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right, cool. Now we get into week seven. And I think this is a really challenging topic for, for folks, but we get into hundred percent responsibility. Uh, my favorite, 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 favorite. <laughs> good, 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 good. I, I, I was hoping that uh, that would be the case. So, you know, he talks about E plus R equals O, and I can explain that a little bit later, but talk to us about what taking a hundred percent responsibility means to you, Christine. Best thing I ever learned in my life, bar Perfect. none. Mic drop. Um, <laughs> yeah, basically. And I'll, I'll tell you why. When I was younger, and I've told this story in pieces before. But when I was younger, I had a very strong sense that I had gotten a raw deal in life, Yeah. that the world owed me something, that things were not fair and I was owed something for sure. that. Yeah. And that because I was damaged, everything that I did that went wrong or caused problems for people or caused problems for me was not my fault because I was damaged. I was hurt. Yeah. And I was a pretty unpleasant person to be around in a lot of ways. And there's part of me that doesn't really even like thinking about that young woman because she was hurting a lot and she hurt other people. And I don't like that. Sure. And I refer to her as she to put the distance, but I yeah. hurt other people. It was a process to get away from that. One, yeah. one part of the process was a boss that I had at the time sitting me down and saying, you know, you're just like a black cloud at the office. You're so unpleasant to be around. You need to fix this. Yeah. And that kind of smacked me in the face a little bit. And I went, okay, I need to figure out how to be more positive. And so I did the work to do that. And then other things started happening, but eventually I just, and it wasn't an epiphany. It wasn't like angels came and spoke to me or whatever. It was just, I looked at it one day and I went, you know what? It doesn't. And, and maybe it was therapy because I, I have talked about this before. And, and when I did the podcast for women in business on mental illness and chronic illness, this was one of the things I talked about and I call it the tragedy Olympics. Okay. And I did group therapy for a while when I was younger and the particular group I ended up in was very ineffective because the whole point of the group was to sit and listen to everybody else's story and figure out what part of your story was worse so you could win the gold medal in the tragedy Olympics. Oh, okay. So nobody was really trying to get better. We were all just comparing our pain and competing to see whose pain was worse. And a lot of people do this. It's like they hold on to whatever damage has been done to them as it's like, it's almost like a security blanket 
well, you can't hold me responsible for X. And I, and I want to be really, really clear about this. I am not talking about people who have, well, I am, but I'm not. I'm not talking about someone who has an addiction, who has a disease. Sure. Now, you can't necessarily control that, but you're still responsible for what you do when you're under the effects mm-hmm. of that. And you have to make amends for that. So you have to take responsibility for your actions. But where was I going with this? Well, the whole gist of this, I guess, that no matter what's been done to you, no matter what your childhood was like, no matter what the experiences you've had, at some point you have to grow up and you have to say, it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility how I react to it. It's my responsibility what I do about it. It's my responsibility to get help if I need it. It's my responsibility to figure out how I'm hurting myself and stop doing that. It's my responsibility to make peace with what was done to me and let that go as much as it's possible to do that. You know, all that stuff only is on you. Yeah. You know, and and I used to make it very conditional. Like, well, if such an if somebody apologizes to me, you know, if if this person apologizes to me, well then that'll be it's like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, it's your responsibility. You have to take responsibility for yourself and what you do and how you impact the world, no matter what's happened to you. Sure. The way I can kind of do this in my head is, you know, whatever those experiences were that happened to us in the past, that's potentially holding us back at this point. Yeah. the more I continue to allow that to hold me back and, and give them my power, I feel like I'm giving them the power to continue to, to keep me in this space where I know, I want to know, or I hopefully will know that I can be whatever I want to be. And so to me, that becomes very empowering. I know it can feel scary for people to look at this and go, Okay, I'm responsible for everything in my life, no matter what has happened to me. And that's the that's the basis of this. Again, there's a lot of things. And and so there's, uh, like you said, being clear about where you're at. But but at the end of the day, you do have that power. You might need some help to get there. You might need some Mm -hmm. but you got to ask for that help and you got to be able to you know, go through some tough stuff and, and like you said, get some therapy or, or whatever. And from that personal level it's, it's empowering to me from, go ahead. Yeah, please. I will say this. It sucks out loud to admit that you're responsible for screwing up. Yeah. The first time you do that, it's hugely empowering, but it also sucks like a Hoover. Yeah. When you look at something and you go, my choices got me in this mess or my choices allowed this situation to continue and you own up to it. Oh my God. God, that hurts when you realize that you hurt yourself and you voluntarily did it. It's hard, but it's also huge because the minute you can step up and do that and look at the wreckage that's lying around you and go, yep, I did that, but I'm going to learn from it and I'm not going to do it again. You've made a quantum leap in being a person in being a successful person. So, you know, a lot of people, I think, avoid taking responsibility because it's hard to look at the wreckage of something that you cared about or you wanted to make good and realize that you couldn't. 
Yeah. And honestly, this was one of the best insights I ever had about my parents was that they couldn't apologize for some of the things that happened because they couldn't acknowledge that they hadn't been able to do family the way they thought they should do family. Yeah. And it doesn't excuse it, but at least it helped me understand it. Yep. So, you know, that's, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Sucks like a Hoover. <laughs> like but sucks like a Hoover. It, it does. But yeah. once I could do that, once I could stand in the rubble of something, and my dark year is a good example of this. My dark year was apocalyptic. Everything fell away, blew up, exploded, collapsed, mm-hmm. horrible. At the end of that, I had to look around and go, okay, I just blew my life to shit, man. Yeah. So what's next? And what was next was, okay, I went and lived with relatives for a few months, got myself back together, found a job, found a place to live, started rebuilding my life. I had to take responsibility for all that. I did it. It was me. Now I did it because of a lot of pain and hurt and whatever, but it doesn't really matter why I did it. I did it. And I really feel like that's the point where I started becoming who I am now. Was there. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're exactly right that that moment where it hurts, it, it sucks like a Hoover. I love that one. Um, you know, it, it's but to me, it seems like it's it's an acute pain that then leads to something better as opposed to this continuous, dull, chronic pain that you're going to experience if you can't get to that point where you're ready to to, you know, take on that opera. I don't know. It sounds silly to say opportunity to feel something that sucks like a Hoover, but really that is because it's an opportunity to move on and be able to start creating, like you said, success. So, well, and I think the other thing that it taught me too, is once I could look at that and go, okay, this was me. Mm -hmm. Then I could also start on picking how it happened and where my responsibility lay to make better choices in the future. Sure. And that made a huge difference too, because I started looking at stuff that I'd always taken as, well, this is how life is. And I went, but is it really? And do I need to do that just because everybody's telling me to do that? And do I believe these things that the culture is telling me are true, which led me to some interesting conclusions that not everybody agrees with, but don't get me started on God or family or we'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, but, um, we should probably avoid those for today. <laughs> yeah. But it made me look at things because if you're responsible for what happens, you're also responsible for the choices you make. Exactly. And if you're and you're responsible for making good choices for yourself. Sure. And sometimes the choice that's good for you is a choice that other people aren't going to understand. But if you're responsible for your life, you also understand why that choice is the right choice for you because sure. you've done the work to figure that out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like you said, it it's your choice to make and it, it has to make sense to you. And right. if somebody else doesn't understand or agree with it, none of their damn business. So, you know. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised how many people think it's their business. Well, exactly. It's not. But it's, not. But it's really not. Yeah. It's a place that goes against what they feel is the natural order of the world or the culture sure whatever. Just like taking responsibility, some of the choices you have to make may be really hard ones. But well, like you said, when you got divorced, if you've ever been married to someone that you know is not the right person, 
for whatever the reason doesn't mean they're yep. a bad person just means it doesn't work yeah that's a really really hard choice to say you know what this needs to stop so we can both find something better correct the easier choice is just to say let's stay together and be miserable and screw up everybody's life for the next 40 years exactly exactly Yes, not not good. So I'm going to pull the worksheet up real quick on on this okay. because I wanted to cover a couple of things. But the other thing I want to do is is let's let's make sure we're we're tying in business a little bit here too because this all does come together. Basically, there's some information here, but just a series of questions for you to answer. And and I like where the first one starts. At least it it helped me in the fact that I didn't have to worry about. It didn't seem so big and scary because I only had to take five percent more responsibility. So right. if I were to take 5% more responsibility for my life, my business, my well-being, my whatever, that 5%, that's easy, right? So if you start there, from the business perspective, again, 2020, we all know how crazy that was for everybody. And, and like you said, you know, there's, we're not through it completely yet. But at the same time, some people struggled. Some people, you know, were, were forced into certain things. If you were able to kind of have this opportunity to say, if I were to take 5% more responsibility for this, to me, what that did is kind of generated this creativity of like, okay, I only have to worry about 5%. So what's that little 5%? What's that tiny first step that I can take to be more responsible for my business or, or for my life or my well-being? So how does that kind of affect you when you started this worksheet? The 5% thing, honestly, for me was, I don't know that the 5% was what I focused on as much as it was just, if I took more responsibility, what areas would have the most impact, I guess, was maybe, and I think that's maybe the 5% didn't necessarily resonate as much for me because I already feel like I take 100% responsibility for what I do. Absolutely. But you can take responsibility for something and still be neglecting certain areas. And I think that was the point that I was kind of like, okay, what am I not necessarily doing as well as I could be doing? Or what am I kind of slacking on a little bit? I'm still taking responsibility for it, but maybe I'm not doing it as well as I should be. Sure, sure. And those were the areas that I kind of looked at. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I love that take. And that, that was, that was one of the main reasons why I, I wanted to get differing thoughts, you know, and, and like, mm-hmm. and, and that's, I think that's the other cool part about this is there's just so much here that, that, and we can, we can package it up however we want and we can package it up to where we're at in our journey, our life, in our business. I, I love that you, you, you mentioned that, that, you know, that didn't stick out to you, but it really stuck out for me. So again, just different, different paths. So, um, well, yeah, it's, it, I think it, it becomes the hundred percent responsibility, this exercise in week seven, for me, what really resonated was just writing down all the different ways that not taking responsibility or choosing to take responsibility could make a difference. Sure. You know, there were the questions like, if I avoid responsibility, what happens? You know, if I avoid responsibility for attaining my goals, what happens? If I avoid responsibility for my life, what what do I do? What happens? Yeah. And that made me think about the consequences. Sure. And that to me was really like, oh, I don't want these things to happen. Or maybe I'm allowing these things to happen subtly and I'm not really aware of it. So that I found really helpful. Yeah, I love it. 
You've just listened to the second Small Business Saturdays episode recapping the 10 Success Principles Project featuring guest host Christine Shreve. Tune in next week and enjoy the next series of sections as we provide a deep dive education in regard to the success principles.